This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As we roll through here, um, obviously, folks, everybody, you've gotten your postgame show. The PFF show is up. We're going to get to Pete here with the mailbag episode. I told you we're going to kill you with content here. Um, basically three and a half days to do six days worth of work. It's going to be coming hot and heavy. Uh, it, it, you know, everybody's feeling it right now. Everybody's a little excited, which is fantastic. And, you know, we'll give you all we can here. Roll on through. Then we can kind of ease up here, hopefully, after a win on Thursday night. But lots to get to here, uh, you know, over the next couple days on Locked On Browns. Works out well. We have no way of hindering the pregame show, as there will be no Wednesday night state Ohio, uh, Ohio state of Ohio playoff games. So all be rolling well into Thursday night. From Browns Maven through SI.com, Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown wise, for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Pete, it was. You know, and, you know, you had mentioned, that, you know, in the post game last night where, you know, Baker had mentioned, you know, I'm not sure it was, you know, he was in the game plan, wasn't in the game plan. Antonio Callaway and, you know, I mentioned this with John Costco. Pete, if we're going to play bingo on whether or not a player deserves to be on a roster, bing, 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 bing. And now you add couldn't get to the facility on time for a home game. <sighs> It's what's going on here. And look, and for anybody, um, Freddie Kitchens doesn't control who's on the 53 man roster. That is John Dorsey. Uh, I mean, Pete, I mean, it's to the point now where, I mean, maybe he could let the facility on fire and then we'll say, well, it was only a small fire. Oh, I mean, relative to what it could have been, uh, it's, you know, seems relatively minor. Um, as minor as it can be to be late for, you know, for a job, which uh, obviously, you know, you'd think you'd be early, if anything, for games just because there's that much that goes into it. Uh, but it's not like it was a, you know, a significant issue that could jeopardize his uh, spot on the team. Having said that, uh, not playing would suggest, uh, you know, at least give somebody else the opportunity to step in and take take reps. Um, you know, whether that carries over to Thursday and has a lasting impact, you know, remains to be seen. Um, you know, the Browns won without him. That's, you know, certainly it, it at least takes away the topic. Uh, well, the Browns lost and you punished Antonio Callaway for seemingly a minor infraction, at least for some people. Uh, why would you do that? It actually sounds like, you know, you took a reasonable stand on something and ultimately it paid off. Uh, but I mean, you're an expert on being late. How do you feel about it? <laughs> USOB. I got kids. You son of a gun. Um, but look at it. This is, and I, uh, yes, I am often late to sitting down with Pete here for these podcasts. And it's the difference between what five minutes and 15 minutes actually it feels like. But as far as my nine to five and what I preach to my children is it takes zero talent to be on time. It takes zero talent to be prepared. Um, but now it's, you know, showing up too chunky for camp. It's the car incident last summer. It's failing a piss test at the combine. It's failing a piss test this summer. 
Now, being late today, uh, credit card fraud while at Florida, being too high to rape anyone while at Florida. Look, Pete, for me, and look, it seems so weird that today would just been the final straw, but it's very similar to Josh Gordon, but you've never gotten the impact that Josh Gordon had where there was that one year of, oh my God, this may be the greatest wide receiver we've ever seen. And we're not even taking to account on-field play where it's, I lined up in the wrong spot. We had to call a timeout because I lined up, lined, up, lined up in the wrong spot. Um, I'm staring at my wide receiver. I'm staring at a fellow wide receiver on a reverse because I have no idea who to block. Uh, look, if his transgressions are going to mean more playing time for Rashard Higgins, that's fantastic. It shouldn't be that way anyway. But, you know, Pete, these are supposed to be men of character, buddy. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that, that, there's that part of it, which is, you know, infuriating for me. But look, we um, understand that guys get the rules bent for him. At this point, has Antonio Callaway shown anything that he deserves to be under, under that umbrella? Uh, I mean, every, anything you're talking about is based off the last, basically the last six games of last year. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm more annoyed at the notion that, you know, it's such a, a you know, irresponsible action for a guy who's got a history of being irresponsible. I, you know, this is why I, I stress drafting adults. I mean, this is, you you can tell me how, you know, you need talent and all these various things, but at some point, you know, football is like anything else. It's about your people. And if you can't count on people, then they're going to let you down. And, you know, to this point, all Antonio Callaway has done is built you up a little bit to let you down over and over. And that's why I don't have any interest in drafting these type of guys, because as much as the talent might be, tantalizing all these things you've got to be able to have guys you can count on or if they are going to make missteps they aren't so bad that they're going to you know put you in a situation where you know you're you're basically screwed so you know as soon as he failed the drug test uh for the four game suspension you know he when he already had one coming in uh you know it, it basically that was the writing on the wall that, you know, you're never going to be able to count on this guy um, that you're, you can't bank on him. And as a result, you know, you have to now plan as if he's not there, which, and again, you'll have people going, well, it was only a first, fourth round pick who cares, but it's a fourth round pick that could have been somebody who at least contributes, even if they're not a star, they're a role player or whatever. Uh, if they're reliable and accountable, uh, that does more for you than having sort of a wild card. Look, and this is, you know, nothing should be, nothing is promised in this league and it shouldn't be promised. And look, I mean, if we're talking about a guy who, you know, he's a, you know, seven reception, 120 yard receiving guy, anytime he's out there, I get it. I mean, sometimes you have to get yourself in bed with folks you don't want to be, be in bed with, but this ain't this guy. And, you know, and the other thing is you have to carry seven wide receivers. The reason this team has to carry seven wide receivers is they don't trust Antonio Callaway, who if you put him on, put him in a set where it was a four wide receiver set, he'd be the fourth guy that Baker Mayfield's looking at. And that's, look, in you know, let's just put it this way, Pete. Thankfully, he's not 
tweeting people, threatening them, because maybe that would be the final straw. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, the, you are who you have. And, you know, Jermaine Whitehead is sort of an indication of, to me, I, th- I think this is a troubling pattern um, with some of the players that they bring, brought into this team. Um, obviously, you know, they, they extend a guy like J.C. Treader. I think that's the absolute right move. Uh, rewarding a guy who does it the right way and is a very good player. And that's why I would always try to target those guys. You know, you look at a team like the Patriots and and they get all, you know, they have an absurd number of college graduates and former captains and stuff. And that's not to say they're perfect human beings, but they are accountable. They, they, they do their job. They show up, you know, and that's, that's part of it. You need to get people who can, you know, take care of what effectively is a nine to five, even though they're pay, being paid more and there's more glamour involved, you know, you have to be able to show up and get, get, get the job done. And there's no indication that that's going to be the case with Callaway. That's not the indication you're going to get with a guy like Jermaine Whitehead. And, and realistically, I know he had a very good game. It's very difficult to expect that's going to be the case with a guy like Kareem Hunt. Kareem, I'm going to give a little bit more slack to. Look, there's been those, but there's it, – it's – well, except for the, the Barley house, I guess. Um, it's been almost a year. Um, we're going to get to Kareem here as well because, you know, whether or not it, this is something you want to roll through further with as far as what he brought you uh, yesterday, which, you know, for the most part certainly brought some juice to this team we're going to get to a little bit more here on Locked On Browns, your mailbag episode, and obviously some things that you trickle out after the effect. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, as we roll on through here. Treat yourself to the food you deserve and have your dinner or your meals brought to you from your favorite restaurants, whether it's a chain restaurant, whether it is one of your local establishments. Most likely they are affiliated with DoorDash. Go to Google, go to Apple, download the app, get $5 off. Your first order or more when you use the promo code Locked On. Look, uh, everybody works. Everybody maybe works more than one job. You're stressing yourself to the nine when you get home. Last thing you want to worry about is how in the world you're going to prepare dinner if you even had time to shop. It's where DoorDash comes in. Like I said, download the app. Five dollars off your first order or more when you use the promo code Locked On. No space, all caps. Appreciate the fine folks over at DoorDash. Now, Pete, as you had mentioned, Kareem Hunt definitely brought a spark to this team yesterday. You know, Freddie spoke today. Look, you know, why wasn't there anything as far as the goal line? Uh, You know, Freddie said there was nothing we had done to this point. You've got to kind of ride the hot hand here. No, Um, look, the Hunt, Chubb, and the dynamic it brought, and it was able to make for some quicker, easier throws. Something you got to continue to roll with, No. Oh, sure. On some level, uh, you know, it, it, it was a, it certainly was beneficial for them, obviously produced um, some advantages for them schematically in terms of how they blocked and, and the way they were able to create some yardage. And obviously Kareem Hunt as a receiver was effective in a lot of ways. Uh, there's no reason that can't be, uh, you know, a substantial part of your offense, or at the very least uh, it forces uh, defenses in particular Steelers on a very short week to try to account for it. And it's really difficult to do because, you know, like uh, most things you have advanced scouting and all these things and you couldn't advance scout this. 
because it didn't exist until this week. So uh, it could potentially bring a factor that the Steelers can't possibly be super prepared for just because there's so little time. But, you know, at the same point, at some point, you would think teams will adjust and, and force you to go a different way. Uh, but until then, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, you're in a position where you need to win. And it's, you know, style points don't matter. You, you need wins by any, mean, any means necessary. So you're happy to add in Hunt to what you're doing with Chubb and, and potentially create uh, ways to benefit the rest of the offense. And look, you, it, it, if you want to call it riding the hot hand or now this is something you were, you know, anticipating finally to get this. Look, we expected the record to hopefully be better, but um, it definitely brought a thunder to it. And, you know, obviously just Hunt's general enthusiasm for finally getting to go out there and, you know, the old put the mouthpiece in, mouthpiece in go hit somebody. It was good from that regards. Uh, you, it's It's Pittsburgh week, Pete, and... This brings a whole new dynamic. We had talked about this, you know, nothing means nothing until you, you can measure yourself against the Steelers. And as far as the Higgins and the Callaway, Callaway did some things, albeit garbage time, in the loss at Pittsburgh last year. Higgins did have a big reception week one. Granted, that was Tyrod Taylor time, a completely different regime. Josh Gordon scored a touchdown for that week, for God's sakes. So there's not much carryover, you know, as far as a, a ton of this offense you know, Jarvis did have a nice day that way. Uh, that that day, there was no Odell. Obviously, Nick wasn't really much of a factor then. This is maybe now your first truer test. Granted, Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, those days are gone. You're not even going to see Big Ben. You're going to see Mason Rudolph. And yeah, it's this is going to this is a Tuesday episode. But when you're kicking off Thursday, it's you know it's not too early to start dipping into this. And there's some interesting pieces. We had talked about this in the post game. Maybe James Conner wouldn't play. You're hearing from Pittsburgh. Maybe he will play. We have no idea where Vernon is because we had talked about that. If you're not really maybe ready to go on Sunday, maybe you're not ready to go on Thursday. Conner had over 400 total yards last year. It's Rudolph, a guy he's familiar with in Washington. Juju Smith-Schuster, it's just not getting there just yet as far as being the full-time number one. Uh, Deontay Johnson. that was a guy. That was one of Pete's guys, if I do recall correctly. Let's start getting into a little bit of Pittsburgh here and a taste of it. Well, I, you know, if James Conner is out, that's huge. Um, they, they're very limited if that's the case. If he's in there, it gives them more options. Uh, they rely on him, particularly with Mason Rudolph, who's okay. Most, you know, he's not a big playmaker by any stretch. The offense is largely a struggle. Their offensive line is solid. They've got weapons, but they're not always great. Juju Smith-Schuster is very talented, but uh, it, it's you know it's difficult to sort of have him really carry the offense when the quarterback is is as uh, you know sort of limited as as Rudolph is. They've got lots of different weapons. None of them are great, other than uh, Smith-Schuster. Uh, Vance McDonald's pretty solid. Defensively is really where the problem is going to be. Uh, T.J. Watt's playing at a really high level. Uh, he's going to be lining up over Chris Hubbard, theoretically. Uh, Cam Hayward is an absolute stud. Um, they, Mika Fitzpatrick is playing, you know, at a very high level, and he's benefiting from some luck. But he he, he just <laughs> looks like the guy that 
you know, looked like he was going to come out of Alabama now, uh, where he just the ball he just finds the ball and makes plays. Their corners are an issue. Joe Hayden may have played the game of his life for the Steelers yesterday, uh, Sunday, against the Rams. I mean, I think uh, that is a, a real challenge for them. It, it, you know, the, the Browns got the ball out really fast uh, against uh, uh, Buffalo. Buffalo. If, if, if the Browns can get the ball out that quickly and effectively against the Steelers, the Steelers are in for a long day. If they are in situations where they hold the ball uh, or, you know, Baker Mayfield decides to hold the ball too long or tries to extend plays he shouldn't, then they're going to have opportunities to make plays on him and, and, and put them in a rough spot because they, they're averaging something like three turnovers a game since Minka Fitzpatrick has been there. And that's been uh, – that's, you know, that's obviously been an issue for the Browns. They, they have not turned over the ball as much the past two weeks. Mayfield has only turned the ball over once the last three weeks. Uh, between that and the red zone – you know, those are sort of the lingering issues for this team. And the Steelers don't do a lot, but their defense gives their offense enough opportunities where they can sort of hang around and win pay, uh, win games. One thing you know, we had talked about, Pete, when they first signed Sheldon Richardson is, you know, I had mentioned that Sheldon Richardson's been a versatile defensive lineman. Chad Thomas started yesterday, and he was there. Um didn't do much and got his second lap dance sack of the season when Josh Allen found his way into that. Maybe some, if Olivier can't go, maybe some Sheldon Richardson at the end, maybe old Devereaux Lawrence, maybe try to switch it up here, do a little something different because, you know, look, 92, it just, it just ain't happening, man. Uh, I mean, certainly an option. Michelle Richardson does have that kind of ability to sort of play on the edge. Um, he finally had a game which you know you you thought you were going to get out of him. It doesn't mean he's going to be that you know great every week, but he was very very good uh, against the Bills. Um, you know that's that's the issue is you trade you you basically gutted your defensive end depth, uh, and then Vernon gets injured. And you're left with a third round pick who wasn't worth a third round pick. It it, it has been everything I said he was going to be, which is bad. And um, now you're left with the situation where he's not only not good, he's, uh, he's a hole. And, you know, the, the, the the, uh, Buffalo Bills had no problem running to the right against him. He made a couple nice effort plays. He forced a holding once he, Miles Garrett gave him a sack. Um, but it's, it's bad. And, and, you know, if, the, if, if, if Mason Rudolph is dropping back to pass quite a bit, you know, you're not going to get anything from one side, which is, you know, what happened against Buffalo, you know, that one side was pretty much safe the whole way, which is why they had to do so much creative blitzing. Um, and they'll probably do more of that. Uh, but that, that, that just that nothing you're getting out of there is allowing them to, shift the protection basically entirely over to Miles Garrett, who's still going to do Miles Garrett things, but it just, it, it makes it so he has to work harder for what he, he's doing to make the impact. I, you know, this, this may, you know, he, he has absolutely just owned 
a la Andre Villanueva when they've played, but you wish you were getting more against whether it's Matt Filer, uh, o- Okafor on the on the right side, and you know it's not Chukes. doesn't seem likely to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah Chukes Okafor. He was one of our guys. Um... And that's the thing, you know, because you know the greatest thing about Olivier Vernon, as far as him just being the sound, fundamental worker bee type of thing, where you know the assignments always graded out, and then the production was always golden afterwards. Is you don't have the flexibility of moving Olivier around now. I'm, I'm sorry, Miles Garrett around now, and define the third concept, which we love so much, which really maybe doesn't truly exists with this Pittsburgh offensive line. They're a solid, solid group in that respect. But it was, you know, and now you have to force pressure when you thought you had a defensive line where you didn't really have to worry so much about that. And James Conner, it is an issue if James Conner is able to play. I mean, he was a handful and then some in the two meetings last year. We're going to get to a little bit more here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, we'll get to some listener questions as we continue to roll on through your Twitter Tuesday of Locked on Browns. The folks over at Peloton. Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great uh, cardio workout at home. Go to onepeloton.com. Use the promo code LOCKED, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get started. Uh, Winner, it's who wants to go outside for all you people who love to work out. God bless you. Check out Peloton. Have it brought into the home. Appreciate them for their sponsorships over at the Lockdown Podcast Network. We got some listener questions. And first, we're going to get to Sam Panics. Uh, uh, anybody who doesn't know Sam, I'll always tell you guys, uh, Sam's a great kid. Um, working a little bit with PFF. Good writer. Kid on the way up. So from Sam, what is the best way to score points on Thursday? Pittsburgh defense is pretty insanely good, maybe for the most part, in every facet, and I'm pretty worried. I think, like we had just talked earlier, Pete, is you have a wild card. You have a joker here in Kareem Hunt, and these type of weeks, there's not much game planning. It's making sure who's healthy, who can do the 96-hour turnaround, and we're going to line up and do what we do versus what, you know, you're going to line up and do what you do. This is a week where you can't game plan much. It's just, I'm going to play my guys. You're going to play your guys. Whatever guys execute best are the ones who are going to win. Well, I mean, this is, this is a game for the advanced scouting department. I mean, the guys who are, you know, watching teams like, you know, like a Pittsburgh Steelers, like two weeks ahead of time and coming up with, uh, their breakdowns and stuff like that. And obviously the Steelers are a little more uh, the same the past couple of weeks as the Browns who sort of changed things up. So that becomes an issue. Um, I think the big, you know, I think you stick with what you have become or are evolving into, which is Nick Chubb is your, your first, your, your, your lead foot. And you follow that up with play action and some of the quick passing game and things like that. Uh, the Steelers are likely going to drop back, try to keep things in front of them, try to create turnovers. So I think the Browns have to be patient, have to be, again, uh, avoiding turnovers, which they've done a pretty good job of, and then take some shots when they get the opportunity. So, you know, I don't think 
the Steelers can cover Odell Beckham. Uh, I don't. We said this the day they brought him in. Right. Yeah. And and you know I don't. Jarvis Landry is a zone beater, <clears throat> and the, the Steelers' base is zone. They played a ton of man against the Rams because that's you know that that's been the way to beat the Rams. Everybody's following the same playbook as the Patriots used in the Super Bowl. But their their base is zone. They are a heavy zone team, and that is typically where Jarvis Landry does his best is as a zone beater. And, and that's where I think a guy like Richard Higgins would do very well is he's very good at finding holes in the zone. So I think those are ways to uh, take advantage of, of where the Steelers are, are, are not great. Uh, it's it just the, the things that you have to be careful of are putting yourself in a position where you allow guys like TJ Watt to make plays. You, you know, you, you put the ball in danger. So a guy like Minkah Fitzpatrick can force a turnover you you have to play smart assignment based football, which is you know easier said than done. But it, it, as long as you you don't have to score a million points, the Steelers typically don't. But you have to be able to keep the game in control and not allow them to get any freebies or anything like that. Because if you do that, you t- chances are you're going to end up winning. But obviously, the big key, in addition to, to continuing doing what the, the Browns have been doing, which is uh, protecting the football and fewer penalties is now they have to be able to capitalize on the red zone. And, you know, you can't, you know, have situations like you did last week. And, and you know, that was a spotlight on what has been a problem all season. I mean, obviously that's, you know, you had 11 or whatever plays it was uh, near the goal line and, and you came over with three points, but that's been an issue all year. That's not new. It just happened to be a, a, a you know, a more easy to ridicule notice issue yesterday uh, that has to get better. And I think they are better off spreading out than they are tightening up because they just don't have the, the horses uh, to sort of run you over. Uh, but that I'm hoping they do some more of those things and it may be worth spreading the Steelers out defensively in general and trying to take some guys out of the box and trying to run the ball that way. Uh, condensed formations to throw the ball, like, you know, two by two stuff, which is from a tight formation. They've done some of those things, but it's really just building on what you've been doing the past few weeks and continuing on it. And that's, you bring up a good point here because Baker after the buy, it's been pretty sound. Um, You know, the yards passing may be a little bit down, which, you know, uncomfortable, you know, unfamiliar with Baker, but he's playing pretty sound, and I think he's back to the grip it, rip it mentality. And, you know, you figure you're going to build off of momentum of yesterday. So that is something you're certainly going to look into. You know, offensive line is, you know, always, you know, the first and foremost and the key with this. Uh, we'll get to one more question here from Dale Harris, and we'll go to a couple other things that I've got in the hopper here. Um, Dale's asking, what is Higgins' value on the open market? Um, it's been a weird season. Pete, I think the way it's been handled, it's not going to cost anywhere close to a King's ransom, but Rashard Higgins for right now, he's not worth any more anywhere else. You know, you, you would always see maybe in new England, but the only reason I'm saying that is Rashard Higgins would have really good value to a veteran quarterback. Like they would understand what he brings. But there is no greater value as far as player and team 
than Rashard Higgins continuing to ride this out with Baker Mayfield? Well, I mean, I think if you uh, the the issue Rashard Higgins has is staying healthy. He's obviously had a uh, had an injury this year that held him out. He had injury last year that held him out for He'll a while. He'll miss a month each year. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, injuries to his legs that have have held him out. Um, I, you know, I think in terms of what you value in his ability as a receiver, I think. Unless he goes on a tear and the Browns use him and, and he does great down the stretch, I think you're largely throwing this year out. And you're trusting what you've seen uh, him do a lot from last year and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't think he will get a huge monetary benefit. Uh, you know, he may, may go somewhere for a one-year prove-it deal and try to you know, get more production and try to up his value. It wouldn't surprise me if teams try to lowball him you know, for a couple of years, uh, and try to get him on the cheap and then, you know, basically count on the fact he's going to outplay his value, uh, those type of things. I mean, that is sort of the issue for the Browns is uh, if they, you know, and, and, and Jarvis Landry's playing well enough where, you know, it's going to be harder to sort of say, we're going to go ahead and move you or, you know, try to restructure him. Uh, but, you know, in a perfect world, I think, you would say you you would restructure his contract so you can bring back Higgins on a cheap deal and that have that be your three receiver set. But at this point, unless things change dramatically, I don't see why Higgins would want to come back here based on how things are going, other than the fact that he he loves uh, Baker Mayfield. But in general, eh, I, I don't. I, I'd be a little. I'd be side eyeing this franchise in terms of how much they value him. Well, it would also be one of those things where is number 11 still around or is it, you know, the new flavor of the week, that type of thing. Um, A couple here from the DMs. Um, Steven Nelson is now a Pittsburgh Steeler. Steven Nelson wants a draft darling of mine. Steven Nelson last year (laughs) duped Baker twice for interceptions. He's a guy I'm going to have to watch out for on Thursday night. I mean, I guess I, I don't know. Whatever. I, again, they're playing zone, so I mean that which he's really good at. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's the issue. You you have to make sure you're not getting fooled in zone looks, and you're not making misreads on on who's coming and who isn't, or where they're going. And, and if you're going to, don't misread don't misread the underneath. <laughs> yeah. So if you you know in that standpoint, Stephen Nelson can can make plays. I'm more worried about Fitzpatrick in that standpoint. But again, you have to be right. You can't. Uh, make a bunch of misreads. Uh, I think Baker had one really bad decision against the Bills, but other than that, I thought he was pretty much clean. It uh, doesn't mean he couldn't make better throws, but or better choices. It's just that was the there was one bad throw, uh, bad decision he made, and that you know is important uh, if he can continue keeping a relatively clean sheet. Uh, obviously, he got lucky that the, the one bad decision wasn't capitalized on, but. It, it, you know, if you have an interception or something, it, you know, it hopefully doesn't go back for a touchdown and hopefully it doesn't kill you. But you, again, it comes down to execution and being right. And if you can do that, you're going to keep yourself in the game, which is largely what happened against the Bills. I mean, the, the, the fact that they limited turnovers, they limited penalties, uh, you know, the fact that they did struggle in the red zone could have cost them the game, but they stayed in it and gave themselves an opportunity at the end, hopefully – as they get going here, 
and maybe it starts Thursday and, and whatever, that when you get the opportunity to go up potentially by two scores, you do it and you, you know, take full control of the game and put all the pressure on the other team to try to stay in it. Uh, if you don't, that, that is the, the danger you put yourself in where you could have lost uh, against the Bills, despite the fact that you were dominating for much of the game before it felt like you were hanging on a little bit until they finally got that uh, touchdown to take the lead. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still not the Baker of 18 that we saw. It's definitely a better version over here over the last three weeks. And we'll get to this final one here. Um, Pete, it's not been probably what any of us expected with Odell with Jarvis, but to the point now, you're talking each guy and obviously the touchdowns, unless they go berserk here over these, you know, uh, last six games, those numbers aren't there, but both guys are on pace for, you know, 1100 plus. And, you know, Jarvis, you know, as much as we had critiqued it last year and, you know, and the salary as opposed to what you're getting, he's been pretty solid, but, you know, it's still, we want more. We want more, damn it. Well, the part there are a couple of things. First, it feels like Jarvis Landry's production this year, as it, he's been far more efficient. He's been better. Uh, but some of his production is predicated on the existence of Odell Beckham. Ravens game. Um, and, and what he's able to do. Um, and despite the fact that they are – you know, potentially on pace for like 1,100 yard seasons, uh, both of them. It still doesn't feel like, you know, that those two in Baker Mayfield are where they should be, nope. and that's part of the problem. Is is in some ways it just feels like a lot of empty calories. Um, so hopefully, you know, we aren't talking. You know, in a couple weeks or whatever, we aren't talking about a, you know them gaining yards in a lost season. Hopefully, it's They've won a few games uh, and gotten themselves back on track. And, oh, look, look how much better the combination of Mayfield, Beckham, and Landry is, as opposed to, you know, we're still wondering why certain things aren't working and why things look clunky, but there are yards and, and you know, they're not getting the end zone and those type of things. So if as, as, as we progress and, you know, the Bills game was productive on certain respects uh, in terms of Beckham and Landry uh, that hopefully that keeps going and it gets better so that it, we're not discussing like, well, Jarvis Landry had a pretty good season. You know, he went over a thousand yards or whatever, but the Browns were, you know, six and 10 or whatever, you know, if it's the Browns fought their, you know, fought their way back to nine and seven, uh, you know, even eight and eight, uh, at least there's something more to hang on to, but it's really difficult to be like, well, the Browns are paying somewhere like 30 some odd, you know, $30 million for these two receivers uh, and Baker Mayfield in year two. And, you know, they never really got it going. And we're basically trying to f talk ourselves into this for another year. And, but it's going to be great now. Like there needs to be more done between now and the end of the season to sort of, make it feel like you don't need to make some substantial change to get the thing uh, working better. Make it all justifiable, so to speak. And this is one for me, Pete. Nick Chubb, your guy, 919, 
in the rushing yards department. When we sit down to do this post-game show Thursday night, will Nick Chubb have eclipsed his first 1,000-yard season? Yeah, there's little reason. I mean, even against, you know, some of these incredible defenses. I mean, the Bills are a good defense. I mean, the the Patriots are a good defense. The Broncos are a good defense. And yet, Nick Chubb finds his yardage. And and it's it's insane. It's no game. Works yeah, works but, each week. It, it's there. I mean, it's 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 frustrating as hell that it's so good between the twenties and then so bad down by the goal line. But it's still hard to ignore the fact that between the twenties, it just feels like, you know, oh, there's Nick Chubb. He's you know at or you know near a hundred yards or whatever. Uh, and and he's just so good. I mean, he's just really really good. Uh, and that Kareem Hunt element sort of helped with that, some of those things. Um, you know, I, I, I keep hoping that we're going to see improvement from a run blocking standpoint. I'm hoping Wyatt Teller continues growing in that, that area of the game. He, he's, he was, uh, I think he was pretty much clean from a pass protecting standpoint yep. in this one after the first week. But uh, you know, he's a big, strong dude. And you don't always get that from him uh, as, as a run blocker. And that's nope. where I want to see. And that was part of the reason you switched from the, uh, from Cush is Teller's got about 20 more pounds. I mean, he's a freaking massively strong human being. So if you can get that out of him, if, if James Campen can sort of get that going, they can be at least more similar to what they had on the offensive line last year and get some more tough yardage and hopefully, you know, feel good about three spots on the line heading into the offseason and in the next year. And you potentially have Drew Forbes coming back in some form. I don't, we'll see if they activate him on the short week or if they wait or not, but then they we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the, the, where are they going to put him and what, what does that look like? Well, and this would be the thing, um, you know, probably you're not going to make any changes here, but uh, Chris Hubbard, this could possibly be your last dance. So find a way get it done. However, because uh, Kendall Lamb, look, if anything, if Kendall ha- Kendall Lamb is healthy enough, let's just see it for the sake. I mean, because you can't justify Bobby McRae for Greg Robinson and not say, well, if Kendall Lamb's healthy enough, you know, you can't give him a shot over Hubbard or Drew Forbes. So there's certainly stuff to look forward to here this week. Pete, it's been a while since we've done this. League-wise, Browns-wise, Pete Smith, you got a minute. Sound off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've wrote about Baker Mayfield's improvements. It's bye week. It's a lot better. Uh, hopefully that's, uh, a preview of things to come, uh, talking about their goal line issues and where I think some of those, uh, lie. They, I, I, I've mentioned it. I will continue to mention they miss David Njoku badly, um, for all the people who don't like David Njoku and think he's overrated, all of these things. Just compare their red zone from last year to this year, and it's that's the missing ingredient. Uh, and then you know we'll get into well when you run like a wide receiver and you're built like a tight end. Yeah, that's usually a mismatch problem. Right, uh, and he's just he, he creates matchups and he creates opportunities and he just does some of those things that uh, that, that make it difficult to deal with him. Uh, but yeah, I mean we'll get into the Steelers and all that uh, upcoming as as we get ready for this one. Uh, you know, and as I told everybody, it's going to be a quick week. Um, the numbers today, 
Eye popping. Thank you guys. Um, look, you all were waiting for a win just as much as we were. Uh, we know there's better from this team. Let's hope we get to continue to see this. And now they officially have the easiest schedule down the second half. I don't think any of that means a freaking hill of beans. This team goes as far as them executing and playing up to their capabilities. There is enough talent here. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you have, you know, coaching, whatever, all that stuff to be figured out. And then there's little nuances like people showing up on time for a freaking game, which is head scratchingly numb as far as that is. Um, but Brown's Maven, Pete's baby over there through SI.com. Make sure you're checking out over there. Tons of content coming out on the daily at underscore Pete Smith. Make sure you're following over there. The show itself at locked on Browns, all lowercase follow back account. DMS are open. Can always tell through that account when it's been a win stuff's popping over there. Lots of stuff on your ass part. And I appreciate that. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open. I appreciate everybody for the support here. Um, like we always say, we appreciate you putting up with us. Um, you may not always agree, but one thing you count on is we're going to be here day in, day out, giving you our thoughts, giving you our content, and could be more thrilled for the support through good, through bad. So with everybody, we're going to put a bed to the uh, put a bow on this one. This has been your daily delivery of all things dogbound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.